welcome to Better Being Me. I am your host, Joanne Hatchard. Better Being Me is all about celebrating the neurodivergent woman, learning how to be safe and secure enough to drop the masking, embracing the true version of who you are. My goal is to share my stories and those of other neurodivergent people that prove we are not alone in our difficulties. And together we can be celebrating how we have overcome our challenges and fully embrace our life. I want to promote our unique perspective of the world. Thank you very much, Josephine Moon, for joining me today. (laughs) Author of the fantastic, the marvelous thing about Phoenix Rose. That's funny. I don't actually think I know her last name in the book. (laughs) Rose, there you go. I could have read the title a bit more often. <laughs> anyway, thank you so very much for joining me. Um, thank you for having me. I love catching up and chatting with other Audi women. It's so much fun. I loved this book so hard. And then I read in the back that your plume name was Joanne. And I went, I know. It's so funny because people called me Josephine. I'm like, my name's actually shorter. <laughs> well, do you know, the funny thing about that is, right, so my birth name is Joanne. And I never, never really felt like it was, it just never really sat super comfortably with me. And I mean, everyone calls me Joe, really, except my mom, who is Which like, Joanne. I named you Joanne, you're Joanne, like that's yeah. it. Um, <laughs> and then, because uh, I have this, my birth name, the surname's quite difficult. Uh, as soon as I got a contract, the publishers and agents just went, you need a new name, you're never going to sell books with that name. So Josephine was quite easy because I had I had this um, beautiful cousin who died quite young. He was 21, I think, or 22. But he used to call me um, Josie or Josephine. Just I don't know why he just did. And um, and I used to think I, I should have been a Josephine. Like that was that was supposed to be my name. So I feel a lot more like Josephine. But anyone anyway, calls it Joe anyway. So it's all good. Yeah, it's funny. I um I don't know why they used to call me Josephine. <laughs> Came up with Josephine. I'm not sure. Whatever. Um, I only in the last couple of years have gone. Um, actually introduced myself as Joanne and then when people ask me is it Joe or Joanne I'm like Joanne because yeah. in my head I would always put the Anne on in my head yeah and so right. when people say Joe I don't respond automatically and they they get frustrated and I'm like oh that's me and they're like it's the only Joe in the room I'm like yes but my name's actually Joanne. So <laughs> yeah, it's so funny isn't it and on the total opposite every time someone says Joe, Joanne or, or even Josephine really I kind of go should be Joe. <laughs> it's funny <laughs> <isn't> it? <laughs> but yeah um for a longest time maybe the only person that would call me joanne was my mum, um yeah. and my partner strangely enough um and then yeah joanne when you're in a bad mood you can get that pretty good <laughs> joanne right, like okay yeah all right i'm here <laughs> i'm back to the land of the living thank you yep absolutely those are hilarious um well, how'd you come up with phoenix do you know, I don't actually remember, and it's quite funny because um, so two things are funny about that. One is that when I start writing a book normally, I one, I have, I give my books a like a working title. So I'll just name it something, right? It's the tea book or whatever. I just call it something shorthand until I work out what the name is. Um, and and it always changes. Sometimes it, has, it changes three or four times. Sometimes it changes right up to when it goes to publication. Uh, and this one I just... I just, I don't know. I literally don't remember. Her name just popped out of nowhere. 
and I really liked it. And then I thought, okay. And then I just put that title down and I thought, oh, it's probably a working title and it'll change later, but it didn't. And it's the only book I've ever written that had the title right from the start all the way to the end. And it's just like it knew exactly what it, you know, was meant to be. Yeah. And I think reading the book, it feels like it knows exactly what it was going to be from the very beginning. Like there's no, it's not a mystery novel or anything like that. It is, it is what it is. And it is a beautiful, comforting book, I think is what you, I don't know how you describe it, but for me, it's just like a comforting story and a matches or parallels so many autistic women's lives I think yeah and so many people have messaged me to say that and which is such a relief because I did feel so much pressure Mm. writing it because it is the first book in this country to come out with an openly autistic female lead and in that genre like we've seen you know some stuff coming through from children's and YA and whatever but we haven't seen anything in that space in adult fiction and and then also with a whole neurodivergent cast too. And I just felt so much pressure because I know so many of us have been, are, you know, dying to see ourselves reflected in popular culture somewhere. Yeah. And not as a headcanon, like. Yeah, exactly. And not be the butt of the joke or not be a story of woe or tragedy or whatever. Mm. And I just, you know, it just, for me, it was that my own identity and discovering all these other autistic women out there. And it was like, for the first time in my life going, I'm not alone on this planet. Like there's a whole bunch of people and it's been so joyous. And I just really wanted to celebrate that whole thing. But I was really aware that I couldn't possibly represent the full diversity of the community either, you know. Actually, I did make a comment in the back of this, in your acknowledgements. It was so so very amusing to me anyway to see that you're like you know I'm just making sure that I want to cover all the options I know that not everybody's going to yeah. align blah 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 I'm like I know exactly what your brain's doing yeah <laughs> and at yeah. the same time we don't expect well we shouldn't expect one character to cover the gamut of lived experience yes. that everyone has yeah for so sure. just that you've created this this phoenix um who obviously has connected so quickly with so many neurodivergent people I think it's a real indicator that you've you know you've really pulled from lived experience and that you are true to that character rather than trying to branch them out into so many different aspects of what could possibly be neurodivergent yeah yeah and I mean the thing is right hopefully this is like the first of many and we've got lots of time and lots of space and lots of opportunity to just keep keep bringing all of these stories to life and in fact having all these people message me and just I mean some of them just said they've sobbed their way through the book which is that was totally unexpected to me because for me it wasn't a crying kind of thought, I but lots cry and lots of people chapter, oh, I so totally cried <laughs> like how quickly you relate to Olga at the beginning is just like <laughs> it really does take your breath away when she well I don't suppose I'm giving anything when she dies but <laughs> yeah it's yeah that was a little sad <laughs> but we had to you know we had to you had to create a something I had to create a scenario that was Phoenix had to just go to step into something that was like uh, this wasn't what I expected like this was hard enough just to get here and now the whole thing's changed all the plans have changed you know how much we love that right <laughs> and and but but this the you know the joy the spirit the greatness of Phoenix is her commitment to her friends you know yeah, that's and, it and that's what she lives by is yeah. that 
yeah, my word is my bond and that's it, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think so many of us um, live by that. Like my word is my bond yeah. and then we feel shit if it doesn't happen. But yeah. that's a real indicator that we're overwhelmed and stressed is when we start, when we stop living up to what we say that we're going to do. Yeah. Yes. And doesn't it feel horrendous when you need to pull out of something or, and probably, you know, everyone else thinks about it for maybe two seconds and we're years later still going, I feel terrible about that. Really? Thing. I'm going to apologize for them next time I see it. <laughs> I've done that it's weird (laughs) people don't take it on board as well as you think it is but um uh, the other comment that I had in there which was from one of your which you said oh right yes creating that scenario um is that what you found in your life is that I I find this that I really need something massive for me to change the directory of my life otherwise it will just be same 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 yeah I hadn't actually thought of it like that, but yes, I think you're exactly right, which is exactly why I burn out over and over and over again, because I know it's too much. I know I shouldn't be doing it, but I can't stop doing it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And absolutely. And I don't stop until actually, wow, you have a formal diagnosis of chronic fatigue now, or now you have, you know, whatever has happened. And it's like, what? like even now I'm kind of going, I've got so many things I want to do, can do, should be doing, want to do. And I'm like, I just... You know, so I just contacted an OT because I'm like, I seriously just don't know how to do it. I don't know how to say no. I don't. I don't know how to stop working. I don't know how to find any kind of boundaries or balance because I have so many ideas and so many passions and so many things I want to do. And I can do them all. And I could do them all brilliantly, but I can't do all of them brilliantly all at once. But I still think I can. That's it. <laughs> I, I think it's the all at once that really kicks you in the nuts, isn't it? Oh, well, yes. you know, proverbial nuts. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I I think I had that conversation with somebody literally yesterday of, yes, we can do all the things, but we don't need to do them all at once. It's it's kind of like our brains are living multiple dimensions. Yeah. And we will fit in many lifetimes of achievements and then have one person nap the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because people often say to me, um, You've, you've done so much, Joe. Like every, what you've done in your life is so much. And I just, and like when I sit there and I think, I don't feel like I've done anything. Like I really just don't. I just, I feel like I'm, I'm nowhere near where I should be, or I'm nowhere near having done all the things. Like I just, and people are like, nowhere near the end. I think. Yeah, the, nowhere near the end. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, people definitely see it differently than I do. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's workaholism or. Well, there's probably a combination of a couple of things, but I think it is. When you can we, diagnose me if you like. <laughs> I think it is when we've found something that we're good at, there's an ease in doing it. Yeah. So when we've achieved something, it's like uh, it was no thing. So there's not like um, a massive accomplishment, joy, euphoria at the end because it was like, ah, I'm just doing my stuff. And mm. while other people think it's amazing because it's not something that they can do, so they see this as a massive achievement where you're like, ah, <laughs> just yeah. Although it's it's yeah. funny because writing is writing fiction for me is so difficult. Like it's mm. so hard. I think mm. like I mean, some people say I write. Like for a long time, I was on a contract a year, which is massively fast uh, because you end up writing one, editing one, researching one, and touring and promoting one all in the one year if you're doing them that fast because you've got to hand them in a year in advance and you know before publication date to get the whole editing thing going and so it's like it's this massive juggling thing and and some people are doing two books a year you know like and I and I just go oh, 
how? And then recently I said, I can't look, I can't do, I just can't do a book a year. I can't, I'm going to have to do every two years. And then I sit here feeling like, oh, should go back. That was wrong. I shouldn't do it. Yeah, like it's just, I just constantly doubting everything all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but it's amazing the stories that you've got coming out, like they're connecting with people. So there's obviously a warmth in your, in you that you're sharing. Oh Yay, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for reading and sharing and all that. But no, no, it has been so, just so gratifying. I mean, people have literally, and teachers, like a heap of teachers, have messaged me and said, this is literally my story. Like this on page whatever, that happened to me. Mm-hmm. That, my principal said that. Like unbelievably, you know, reflected just so accurately in people's experience. It's, yeah. yeah, that gives me chills, really. Yeah, amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing, amazing. Mm. Yeah, there are things that I'm like, oh, I got really angry and I had to put the book down and walk away. <laughs> gonna just take a breath gonna take a moment it's not my life <laughs> I can't do anything about this as in the way Phoenix is being treated yeah like, like her principal in that yeah 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 See, it's, like and I thought that that whole thing was quite interesting for me because I burnt out of teaching quite early mm. and there was so much about it that I loved and it felt like such a massive failure and because of course I had no idea why I burnt out now I do of course mm. but it just you know, it was so much grief. And even like a couple of years back, I went back and, you know, did some more relief teaching and thought maybe, you know, maybe it'll be different this time. <laughs> maybe I'll... And then I still didn't have my, um, I didn't have my diagnosis identity at that point either. And so I still didn't know you know, what was wrong with me. But again, I just came away just going, what is wrong with me? Like, why can other people do this and I can't do this? Mm. And so it was really nice to kind of work through some of that with Phoenix on the page. And, but then to also just go, you know, we know our schools can't actually even really deal with the needs of neurodivergent kids in their class so how are they even going to begin to start supporting teachers as well so it was just a really I like to find stories that are in the silent spaces like the ones that we never hear about you know and we never hear about the teachers who are turning up every day to teach classes and kids with all sorts of things going on you know we just go you're a teacher that's your job and just do it that's who you are I know yeah. my mum was a teacher. <laughs> I was like, I can't deal with 30 kids all at once, full stop. <laughs> She's yeah. like, you'll be a great teacher. I'm like, I no. cannot, will not. <laughs> I feel like I'm Dr. Seuss. No, 30 kids all at once was too, too, too much for me. And that wasn't even me in charge. That's just me in the room with another 30 kids. Yeah, yeah. No yeah not my jam I'm pretty good one-on-one yeah well same and I love that too like that whole sort of one-on-one mentoring coaching or even just you know even two or three of them maybe Mm. but yeah that is totally totally my space yeah but I am just starting up and I've been putting putting off doing it um this is a nice tangent for you I'm putting off doing it for years actually uh is doing like equine assisted learning and equine facilitated learning so I'm just in the process I've been to the accountant to work out you know how to set it up and I'm looking at my fences and going I need new fences but (laughs) it's too good you know like equine therapy stuff's just too good and and I it all it's all my skills together it's my passion for horses it's you know my sort of keeping stuff and well hopefully hopefully it works uh yeah (laughs) Uh, every time I've seen any program locally go out it gets full pretty quick 
Um, and I've seen them advertise for staff probably within the first six months of them releasing a program. So, yeah, and it's because yeah. it works and horses are so unique in their communication style, I think, because it's very much a vibration. I get it from butterflies as well, but <laughs> horses really work on that vibration level don't they and it's they really do they have an enormous if you're into energy anything they, they kind of just have these enormous energy fields you know well actually they do they can measure them like because we can't measure you know the energy fields around us and they can't they are enormous sort of fields but it's also that they um so there's a couple of things so one they're animals of prey right so they're hardwired for fear and flight and reaction right so they're really good in terms of showing back to us what we're sort of projecting towards them because they're going to react. Yeah. Um, and the other one is that they, like physiologically, their heart rate is slower, their breathing rate is slower. So you're actually co-regulating with them as well, like just being yeah. in space you without you even knowing it. You're, yeah. you know, your heart rate's falling. And, yeah, it's pretty magical. Yeah, I'm not because- supposed to use the word magical. People get really upset when you say the word magical. It's all science. Okay, it's science. It's very magic science. can be science. It's still <laughs> sciencely magical. Like I think vibration a magic like yeah. <laughs> I was trying to explain to my son the other day everything has a vibration he's like what about this I'm like yeah. everything has a vibration and then he still cut like kept listing things I'm yeah. like everything in the universe including the universe has a vibration full stop and then he <laughs> still kept listing stuff I'm like no I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I remember learning that in, I don't know, somewhere in science in school about everything, this table. I remember the teachers specifically going, this table is vibrating and just going yeah. like, what? Like that is, that is really mind bendy, trippy stuff. And that most of it's space too. Like, and they're going. <laughs> I mean, my, my human brain just cannot deal with that at all. Just no. like, I believe it's true, but I just can't understand it. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent with you there. Like I a hundred percent believe it is true, but at the same time, I'm not going to try and match the vibration to stick my hand through a wall or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we could work on it, but I've got other things going on. <laughs> oh, yes. But yeah, and I think so- equine, um, equine therapy is definitely increasing locally around me. So mm. do it. And you were looking at getting um, an assistance dog or a oh, therapy dog? Yes, Fergus. His name is, he's about five weeks old at the moment. Look, I, I mean, I say, yeah, I'm sure we can talk about this a lot. I want to hear about your doggy too. I, so five years ago, I got a, a retriever. My, my first retriever had died. I was still hugely kind of grief stricken. I'm not sure that I was totally ready for another dog, but my son and my husband were both really keen. So anyhow, of course, it didn't take too much to get me on board. So, you know, we got, we got sunshine. And I think um, my son was sort of just, he was just going into one well, prep no it was prep it was just it was in prep and like we sort of knew there'd been a few transitioning problems you know or difficulties challenges before that and so I, I knew that that was going to be sort of an ongoing thing and I thought well you know maybe we can sort of train doggy to be a therapy or an assistance dog or support dog whatever mm. but she had um she had some elbow issues and a few things and so that was you know we built a pool for her actually in the backyard so she could, <laughs> she could do hydrotherapy yes and guess what? She's like the only retriever in the world that does not swim. <laughs> Genuinely, we built this in-ground pool for her. She won't swim. She's uh, just like, I don't swim. I'm like, you understand you're a retriever. You understand you have like thousands of years. 
of your predecessors swimming. <laughs> She's just like, no, don't do it. <laughs> I don't want to get my feet wet. <laughs> she doesn't. Oh, like, yay, now you've got a beautiful in-ground pool. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> so, yeah, so now five years down the track, um, so a friend of mine who I met because I had run some weekend retreats, I was so, so excited, right? I got, you know, identity, learn about burnout. I was like, oh, my God, this explains my whole life. So I did this massive deep dive, hyper-focus into burnout and, you know, um, and I thought this is so fun. I'm going to, I'll, I'll just put out a retreat, see if anyone wants to come. We'll about. So I did a couple of those and yeah. one of the participants has a uh, a service dog. She trained herself and it's a golden retriever. And I was like, this is amazing. I didn't know you could do this. Um, and he's incredible. And then so very recently, the same person who bred her dog was having some puppies. And I was like, oh, this sounds a bit, you know, What's the word? Serendipitous or something? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe. So, but I wanted to ask you because as far as I'm aware, you can't train your own dog. And the only place you can do that, as far as I'm aware, is mind dogs. Is that what you're doing? What are you doing? I'd love to hear what you're doing. So we are aiming instead of an assistance dog, which is paired per a person, we are aiming yeah. for a therapy dog. So okay. I can take her out to work. So she will be training with me, but ready to um like notice the world rather yes. than an assistance dog is trained specifically for a person so it doesn't focus on the world it focuses on the person so there's the difference between a therapy dog and an assistance dog okay. um the because it's an unregulated industry yeah right um a i was looking at therapy dogs australia which is based in queensland actually but it has an online training component. Yeah. Um, once you've gone through the training for the therapy dogs, then they need to get, uh, they need to pass a test basically to get regulated or registered. Yes. One of those things. Um, whereas an assistance dog is, um, has access to the community because it goes with the person. A therapy dog has access to the person. So it doesn't have access to the public transport or the inner where you're not allowed to take dogs. Yeah. Right. So you can't take them to the shopping center and you can't, so their, their role is more like if you're doing therapy in a clinic or something, they're there to be yeah. there as like support. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and I'm open to the idea that that's where our dog might end up as well. And, you know, cause mm -hmm. that's a super, super high value rate for, um, the service dogs, assistance dogs as well. So, but yeah. you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm just, yeah. you know, and I, I did ask my trainer if I could get a twofer, like, <laughs> a what? Have, have, like a twofer, like um, <laughs> two for one, the dog oh, right. do both assistant therapy and um, like, sorry, assistance dog and a therapy dog. And he says, no, they're two very distinct roles. It's oh, really so interesting. One training because I guess because it's the outlook of that, you know, a assistance dog is very much in towards the person and a therapy dog is out towards the world. Right. And that's, that's how, and so if you can imagine having to split that dog's focus would be too much of a job for one dog. Yeah. Okay. This is really interesting. I'm glad we're having this conversation because my puppy's not here yet. So, you know, yeah. I've still got time to change all the plans. And Well, and that's right. But um, yeah. Okay. So well, yeah, okay, that's really interesting. I'm going to do more research onto that. That's really cool. But I know when I'm, um, so my friend Rachel with the dog, her service mm. dog, mm. Uh, 
when we're out, for example, having tea, <laughs> um, her dog Jacob, who's adorable, if I'm talking and I'm getting worked up and I'm getting stressed, he gets up and he comes to me and puts his head on my lap and then I'm like, oh, Jacob, I'm so sorry. Like, I feel really bad. <laughs> but at the same time, it's so powerful. It's just like I had no idea that I was getting stressed and he does. And it's such a massive visual cue to go, Joe. I think you need to breathe because you're not breathing. This girl you know? to yeah, impact I was just like, wow, <laughs> that is so powerful. Yeah. And it may be, so with they an assistance dog? Yeah. It may be that that's yeah. part of their training is to create the environment around their person to be yeah. safe. Yeah. So if they see somebody else getting heightened that are in direct contact with their person, yeah. it may be their training that they go and regulate that person so it's not to impact. Yeah, could be. Super smart. Definitely. I think it is. I think Rachel said because she's given him permission that, like, he's yeah. you're allowed to talk to him, he's allowed to talk to you, then it's just amazing. Like, I mean, ridiculously smart and intuitive and just all the crazy. amazing things. Right? I don't know how but anyone gets through the world without animals, honestly. I just find them the most biggest part of my life anyway. But Yeah, there was our house was empty of animals for maybe six months and I kept... I was lost. Like I could still, <laughs> I would still hold the door open for Aww. my dog to come through, but you know, she passed away. Um, no, she didn't pass away. I had to put it down. Yeah. Um, and then it was only maybe a month before that, that my cat got um, bone cancer and then he died. Aww. So it was like a real tough, <laughs> um, it was a, it was, it was a rough, couple of months there for a little while but they're all 15 16 yeah. years old so they'd been around for such a long period of time that my habits of caring for them just existed and yeah. then when I don't have them I it's like when Gilbert goes on holidays I'm, I'm not entirely sure what to do <laughs> yeah well that's so cute yes so I did say to Brad um we're either having a baby or a puppy <laughs> and he went, oh, look at this dog. <laughs> Although so, I don't, we, we need an animal moderator in our house because no one here has any sense of limits when it comes to animals. We're just like, well, we've got six horses. What's one more? Like get more, you know, it's, it's not great. We've got the space for the animals as well. Like, yeah. yeah. The problem with horses is they're fantastic until things go wrong and then they're just like bankrupt material. So. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I have to. I have to be the financial moderator. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, one more horse. Although we've got the space, do we have the financial capacity? That's right. That's um, right. I did love in your book. Just refer back to that. The yeah. the person. I was so interested to get like what the spreadsheet looked like of that trip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, see, I, I would never have made it if someone had made it before they sent it to me. I would be like. Um, you're probably wrong <laughs> I'll just not buy food or something okay <laughs> we'll work it out but I was like oh are we going to see the breakdown but no, <laughs> I can't I hate yeah. spreadsheets I just my husband loves them he's just like in his element with a spreadsheet I'm just like oh, I just cannot stand the things <laughs> I have to use one for my tags because I can't I can't make myself use any kind of accounting software. So I literally just rock up with a spreadsheet and go here all the costs, here's all the, you know, income, just work it out. 
Yeah. I love spreadsheets. Um, what I don't do you love them. about them? I love, I love interpreting the data. Um, so it needs to be purpose. I won't. And so I do know some people that will create a spreadsheet because it gives them the shits and giggles kind of thing. <laughs> That's my hobby. Yeah. <laughs> I love that quantitative kind of research where you pull out information from a story and then having a way of um, like inferring the data for that and stuff as yeah. well. That makes me happy. Um, but yeah, any my accounting stuff I failed accounting three times so any automated process is on my jam I think I've got zero and everything feeds into it and I just go oh look at that yay and then send that off to the accountant <laughs> I should maybe do that I was thinking I might have to up my game a bit from doing a horse business because it will be so complex and I can yeah. claim things like fencing and stuff which is really oh, totally exciting because we need new fences yeah <laughs> um and if you do a therapy dog then that's a tax deduction if you're using that towards the animal therapy right. if you're doing assistance dog then that is an NDIS claim rather than a tax deduction because it's not part of the business it's part of the self yeah right information mm. but um, as little girl's going to be a therapy dog and is always planned to be a therapy dog, all of her expenses and existence is a tax deduction for my business. So that's that's brilliant, right from like right from the beginning, right from go. And that's the accountant's final word, like the official. Yeah, word. I, I said to the accountant, who's that. an amazing accountant, um, and just drips accountancy. So that's who you want as an accountant. Yeah, I know. <laughs> She's like, I will fight the tax people for this. And I'm like, done. <laughs> oh, pass me her name, please. <laughs> you should do you know, long distance things. Probably. Yes. She does Zoom, so I can't see why not. Everything else can be electronic. Yeah. I'll send you her details. Oh, thank you. Um, and it's amazing how she, you know, when people find their roles because of their personality and it yeah. just matches they're yes. the people that you want in your corner I think yes which is one of the really tricky things about my life as an author the reason mm. I chose to be an author was because I was first year teaching actually and I realized quite quickly I wasn't going to survive as a teacher yeah. and I'd always sort of had this you know a bit of a thing with writing seemed to have some skill there uh, and I went to this workshop and while I was there I had this moment where I just went this is what I need to do I need to be a career author right now that was 1999 okay mm. so we barely had the internet there was no social media like it was a totally different game yeah now everything like every single year authors just need to do more and more and more like publicity like in front of people talking in front of people making tiktok videos being mm. a performer basically yeah. is now what you're asked to be and it's like yeah i became a writer so that i could sit in a room by myself with my world in my head yeah. And sit in the silence and pat the cat and pat the dog and just write the book and that's it. Like that was my perfect kind of dream. Oh, so, yeah, you know what you should do is get other people to read it out on their TikTok and tag you. People because, do that. Okay. Yeah, why wouldn't they? I mean, they've got 90 seconds that they can read their favourite quote on or and then oh, you can pair cute. them all together and have the whole book out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's an audio version of it, so Ooh, that's already out Did you there. read it? Um, no, gosh, no. I 
I think I could probably do a non-fiction book, but not for fiction because you've got so many characters, so many mm. different ages, so many, mm. you know, men, women, kids. Like I would never be able to get all the accents and and, and be, oh, did they do that though? What's that? Did they do that? Like yeah, I don't... they do. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah, and, it, and, and they're consistent. I think it's the consistency that would be really hard. Like, you know, 80 pages in, I'd be thinking, what voice did I use for that? Yeah, who am I again? Character? <laughs> yeah. Are they suddenly Irish or Scottish? Yes. <laughs> and New it is Zealand? tricky. It is tricky because the narrator does make or break it completely. Like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you, often you'll see really good books that people love in general and they're just getting like one star reviews because people are like narrator's terrible. It's just heartbreaking because it's like, that's not the book's fault. Like that's, yeah. So it's a totally different thing. And often I listen to it and I think, that doesn't sound how that sounded in my head, you know? And it's, so that's kind of weird too. Yeah. Everybody always makes everybody a lot happier than than they are in my but, head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like let's, let's bring this happiness down like yeah. 10. <laughs> what that joyful? Like <laughs> I think that's much more serious. <laughs> Yeah, so that's always I don't fun. think I've actually listened to a, no, a like a fiction book in audio. <laughs> I, like I do have a lot of audio books, but I'm like, no, I don't. I I listen to all of the nonfiction books, and then I only get the ones that have been read by the author. Uh, well, I have. There are a few authors here and there who have read their own, and having listened to a couple of them, it actually convinced me that if you're not an actor, you should not be reading your own fiction book because it, <laughs> it is too. Like I've had to stop listening to them, and I thought that's just too complicated. It's <laughs> too hard. That's too hard. Nonfiction, go hard. Fiction, no, no, just no. <laughs> uh, I mean, basically, okay, you're putting okay. on a one. You're putting on a one woman show, like you're. <laughs> You know, you wouldn't get on the stage and do that. So yeah, no, do it. No. <laughs> oh, like I, I want to go listen now. <laughs> but yeah, I think it takes a lot of <clears throat> that, like suspension of disbelief, to interrupt your own imagination. And I think that would put me on the back foot. I'd be like, Nah, fucker, you got it wrong. <laughs> this isn't this isn't how it's meant to sound you've got it you're like you're changing the image that you have in my head and I if don't you listen like it. to it do you yeah. mean yeah. Mm. yeah yeah see I can't read off page anymore I lost my ability yeah. to read long form fiction when I had mm. my son and this is what yeah. I now think happened uh was that you know I had only so much executive functioning going on and then I had my son and it was just like my brain just went oh without my permission of course just went Okay, so he's the priority. We're going to put all the executive functioning over there and I'm going to take away your ability to read, yeah. to cook, and actually partially to drive as well. So I've yeah. um, <laughs> had so many car accidents. Better now that I've had um, ADHD meds. That, that <laughs> Like literally, this is what I did a few years ago. I came up, we live on the top of a hill, drove up the driveway, stopped, have to stop at a gate to open the gate and get in. Um Opened the gate, got back in, drove through, stopped because I had to go back and close the gate. Was distracted by how pretty my horse was standing at the top of the hill. And went, oh, isn't that cute? Pulled out my phone, took a photo, blah, blah. That's really sweet. Got out of the car, did not put the car into park or the park brake on. And we live on a hill. So oh, my God. The car with a cat in a cat cage in the back seat starts rolling down the hill. I've chased it for, you know, a few steps. It's never going to get there. It's getting faster and faster and faster and faster. It's going down the hill, going in, and I'm just watching it going, 
that's going to go straight over the mountain. It's going to roll down the mountain and I've just killed the cat. Now, thank God that did not happen. (laughs) (laughs) Only because there was one brave eucalyptus tree caught it (laughs) just before it went over the edge and down into the gully. It was the most (laughs) horrific moment. And I was just like, how? How can you have been driving for 30 years and not remember (laughs) to put the car in park and the brake on when you get out on a hill? On a hill, (laughs) which you've done obviously very many times because it's your house. (laughs) Right? Crazy. ADHD, apparently. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I I remember getting in my car, driving out and going, I can't remember what side of the road I'm meant to be on. (laughs) Oh, that's a horrible feeling. Sometimes yeah. that happens, you know, when you've been redirected down somewhere and you're driving and then you suddenly go, am I on the right side of the road? Yes. Like, or is that just me? I don't know. Maybe. No, that's, <laughs> well, maybe it's, it does. I don't know. But yeah, I, I was on the country road. I'm like, I don't think I'm on the right side of the road. <laughs> it's but I did realise now that I need to be next to the white line and not away <laughs> from the white line. So that's next to the white line i genuinely cannot understand how people go overseas and mm. just like get off the plane pick up a rental car and drive on the other side of the road like uh, that just freaks me out completely i nah. there's no way i would make it out alive if i did that i was Obviously in canada. some brains can do that my brain definitely can't <laughs> i think i was in canada for six months before i went okay i'm gonna drive <laughs> and did it go and I never went alone I don't think well though in the end I was going by myself but I reckon for a good long time I would still drive with Brad in the car with me because yeah you get those moments where I can't remember what I'm meant to be doing (laughs) oh yeah it's all gone because it's so automatic that's the thing like you it's not conscious anymore after you've been driving for a certain amount of time none of it's conscious anymore you just everything's automatic Mm. um but why, why were you in Canada and why were you there for six months what was going on oh um, so I finished my master's of social work as an international student at the University of Calgary and yep. I fell in love with Brad. Ah. So then I spent two years in six months chunks going back and forth to Canada. So wow. I was in love. Nice. <laughs> That's a nice love story. It is as where it is so it's so it's weird we were only to like so we were friends for a long time and then we were only together for maybe two weeks before I left the country um and then eight months later I moved in with him <laughs> in which country in Canada oh in Canada hmm. yeah and I'm like I guess this is how relationships go I'm not entirely sure but this is what's happening it worked. It oh, seems perfect. to. I think what 13, 12 years later. Nice. Right, so he lives here now. He lives here now. Yeah. He um he landed. I got pregnant, and we haven't <laughs> really done much of the traveling around Australia as I expected, yes. because he then needed to get a job because I was pregnant <laughs> and unemployed. Mm. Oh. So it's been an interesting unplanned journey that's for sure yeah that's kind of life though right it's I don't know if too many people's lives sort of turn out the way they thought it would no probably not but no go on sorry when we were talking about you know the the big life events happen and that makes your life change Mm, yes like 
deciding that I was going to be an international placement, that was a big kick. Cause I, I lived at home with my mum and like, I I've been at the same job for 10 years. Yeah. So every day was the same, same, same. I was doing my study and stuff, which was different, but I went, I'm going to be an international student. And then I told the university and they, within two weeks, they had me ready to go kind of thing. So it was like a big choice that just changed the directory of my life. And the same with becoming pregnant was life where I hadn't really found a simosis, like a a balance yet when Brad came into the country. Um, And then it went, oh, you're pregnant. I went, oh, okay. And then life changed entirely and it wasn't planned or anything. It just happened. Well, yeah we know how things happen, but it wasn't like a plan. This is what we're going to do with our life kind of thing. So it it does feel so common that I need to have an external something happen to change what I'm doing. Yep. I completely agree. I'm I'm exactly the same. Mm. And I I don't know why that is. I really don't. I don't know if it's because I just don't have enough belief in my ability to make judgments, maybe like to make a call. Basically, I think I don't ever feel like I make the right call or I don't know how to make the right call I think that's mm. what I constantly doubt mm. yeah it's interesting so glad we had this chat I've never thought about it like that but it's really interesting <laughs> yeah well it's funny that you hadn't thought about it like that because it's exactly what the book is <laughs> well I mean I kind of I kind of yeah well it is interesting I mean kind of I kind of do in the sense that like at the moment right I'm like too many things going on there's too many projects I'm not coping because that many things and I need to um, do it and and I have this conversation in my head where I go mm. what is it going to take to is it going to take for you to get really sick or to get some horrible disease or whatever for you to make these changes so I have that conversation knowing that's probably going to be the end result and yet I still just feel paralyzed and can't make a decision yeah mm. decision making isn't my forte but I have found that if I talk to Brad about it who seems to be the most not invested in my decision yeah if that makes sense whereas if yeah. I talk to mom she's already invested in yeah what the decision, what the decision is going to be and yeah. dad's similarly like invested in what the outcome is going to be um and if I talk to my friends then they don't I feel like I need to give them the whole picture which takes too long to you know give all the information yes. to to make the decision yes yeah but strangely Brad who I mean long-term relationship love each other dearly doesn't seem to have any like attachment vested interest in my outcome <laughs> yeah yeah no I know what you mean because I think my husband's the same and he would you know I do run this stuff past him and he'll and he'll just say well you know just like just quit that and do that like we'll do nothing whatever yeah. you know yeah. like <laughs> but then I just still can't make the call you know I feel like I'll be letting go of something and I'll never be able to get it back or something like that oh right this yeah. is actually kind of interesting this is why you need to know that you're um you're autistic actually because for example, mm-hmm. I um, see, I, I'm amazed I actually got an official diagnosis because I really didn't understand the questions when people said things. So people had said to me, do you, do you identify with black and white thinking? And I would have said no, like, mm-hmm. because in my head, that means something like uh, fundamentalist kind of views about things or, you know, these people are wrong or these, but like mm-hmm. that sort of really negative, rigid, whatever, mm-hmm. externalized. Yeah. So I don't think I, I am black and white kind of externally, but internally I really am. Like I'm like, um, well, that's yeah. going to succeed or it'll fail. Yeah. You know, there's never a middle ground no, in there. Between. It's just, yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that's 
part of my problem with decision making is just like if I, if I do like this, time. that'll be the end. Yeah, yeah that's the end. Yeah. And I won't be able to go back. And the yeah. reality is probably not that at all. So just even having made that connection really quite recently that I'm quite black and white in regard mm. to myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's how they pose. See, when they say that to me, I think of black and white pictures and I'm like, well, actually everything's <laughs> coloured. So no. <laughs> Like, Love it. I, I know what they're actually trying to say, but in my head, I've just got like those ink block pictures going on. I'm like, no, I don't think in black and white. I think in color. And yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard people dream in black and white. I'm like, oh, that's a lot. Yes, weird, what's but... that about? That doesn't make sense to me. How does that happen? <laughs> the well, maybe they don't dream. Many, and I'm like, just like, what? It's like hyper color technique, you know, blockbusters every night for me. Every single night. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And Brad doesn't dream or he doesn't remember his dream. I'm like, what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Probably getting really good sleep. (laughs) Actually, yeah, we monitored his sleep once and it drops down to deep sleep and then doesn't come back up. Oh, wow. Like, and just, and he smells like a motherfucker. (laughs) Oh, see, I'm so envious though. I would (laughs) kill for some deep sleep. I'm I'm up and down. Like, I think I have more REM cycles than the average. Yeah, yeah. I think I have like oh, 10 or something. It was a long time ago that we monitored it. But the, yeah, the REM up and down, I get nice vivid dreams. And the, like, I that's was going to say, that, to sleep. pretty sure that's the state where you're doing all that dreaming is yeah. REM sleep. So that's, yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. yeah and a lot great. of mine, I'm hunting vampires or serial killers for some time. I don't know. I get like little cycles of dreaming about killing yeah. people. But like bad things, like vampires and yes, serial killers. Yes, not nice people. <laughs> I'm not, not the vampire or, or the serial killer. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm the hunter. That's right. Uh, just to be you clear. Are, are you, were you a Buffy the Vampire fan? I was a Buffy the Vampire fan, yes. But I did also have a hyper interest in serial killers in my team oh. and early 20s. And I was, I just thought that everybody went through that <laughs> Because they're so um, different. Like their reasoning is just so off the charts. Yeah, right. Right? And it, that's why they're interesting because you're like, what the fuck were they thinking? Yeah. And it turns out not great things. Not not, not good. No. See, I'm, I'm like super, 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 super sensitive. So I can't mm. watch anything that's going to, like anything traumatic I've ever seen or heard or anything, like it's still all there. Like I can pull it up in a second, you know. Like it oh, just yeah. doesn't go away. Yep, I, that happened after Gilbert was born. I remember Brad, I think, I can't remember why he was watching. It was something about the English and American war. It must have been turncoat or something like that. Somebody got tarred and feathered and I just had a mental Ooh. break. Ooh. Lost my shit at him and he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you and I'm like I'm not entirely sure but we've yeah. never watched it since no well that sounds like a good choice <laughs> yeah yeah but and I so always... from that yeah, yeah I don't sorry, watch the things mm, sorry go yeah it's um yeah I've always just wondered how people do and I go how is everyone not that sensitive to stuff like it just um, I think it's our memory because like you said you can pull it in and relive it like it was the first time yes. you were there yeah yes other people cannot and I find I find that very frustrating 
because when I recall a like a past family something something happened and when people recall it to me and I correct their memory with my obviously more superior memory and correct information yes yes yeah they feel like they're I'm hanging on to it I'm like I'm not I'm I'm correcting you because you're incorrect like you're you've not got it right so that's why I'm doing it not because I'm emotionally invested in it but because you're wrong (laughs) yes I'm I'm totally with you I'm always like that is not what happened like yeah elephant memory like I can tell you what happened that was not it yeah yeah and then they feel then they treat me like I'm emotionally attached to it I'm like I'm getting frustrated because you're incorrectly remembering something that I have a very clear memory of yes, and then dismissing me. So that's where yeah. my emotion starts to get re- like yes. heightened and they're like, just get over it. I'm like, <laughs> I know. And you can never prove that you're right either. Cause you no. can't <laughs> nobody you else pull up the it. transcript, you know, yeah. of the, let me just pull that up for you. <laughs> yeah. It was a warm summer's day. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> love it <laughs> well they do say that a memory isn't actually a recall of the event but it is just the last time that you remembered it like a, a recall of the last time you remember it remembered it I'm like hmm. dude I don't think so <laughs> oh what I do think is interesting is they I think it was actually Deepak Chopra was talking about this somewhere along the way mm. that there's they don't really know where we store memory that it's so it's not like they can point to that part of the brain and go, that's that's where memory. I mean, there is a bit, mm. but still they know that people who've lost parts of and they still remember stuff or whatever. And it's like mm. they don't really know where. So they don't really know where anybody you store it. And probably it's everywhere. It's all the cells because they all talk to each other. And well, whatever. that's it. And for me, I don't know about how you feel, but I'm very mental heavy. Like I yeah. feel like this is my space to play with and I'm not when I'm pulling in memory, I don't feel like I'm pulling in from my physical self. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm pulling it in from, you know, the ethers that I carry with me wherever I go. And yeah. that's why my memory can be so expensive because I've got all this space to put in it yes. and not, but yeah. then when I get a headache, I'm like, Oh, there's too many, there's too much noise in this bit. And I need yeah. to kind of defrag yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. It's like, we got extra storage space. Yeah other people didn't get Mm. yeah no I can relate to that for sure and I definitely feel like that when I'm writing like I often just I just go you know characters just and it's a really nice part of writing where you know when you first start working with characters and it's sort of a bit clunky and it's like getting to know someone and you don't really understand how it all works and everything and then there's just this moment where they sort of just come alive and I call it the writer's high at that moment it's just like you're just writing to keep up with them really rather oh yeah yeah you know and they've just and I go, well, what, like, where, where does that come from? I just have no idea. It's out there. Yeah. yeah. Pulling a string and it just. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's really nice. There is something a little bit um, elemental or cosmic about. I think stories. so. Mm. And it can't not be, right? Because mm. you, you are creating a world and it doesn't yes. live in you as such. Like it's not your memories and. Yeah. Um, whatever that you're pulling in so you need to be creating a world outside of you and then pulling the thread and see what happens kind of thing yeah yeah so, it is. it's yeah. a tricky thing to explain and and non-writy types often just go I'm sorry do you mean you hear voices in your head and I'm like no it's not like I hear them 
I just, yeah. well, I do hear them, but they're not, yeah. it's not like an external voice. No, it's not like yeah. someone sitting in the room, but it's, yeah, it's, it is a really odd thing. That's why I love it. I think it's just such a, it, I often read stuff and I go, seriously, like, I don't, I either don't remember writing it or I just go, where did that come from? Like, just, yeah. And really it's, it's, I think it's, yeah, like having to explain people that you dream in colour instead of black and white kind of thing. They're just not going to get it if they don't do it, kind of. Yes. Yeah. Totally. It's a hard concept to pick up. Yes. Don't you love it when dogs are dreaming, though, and they're having this oh, yeah. whole, like, you know, and they're, yeah, and they're, you know, and they're doing all this yeah. stuff. I just, I just would love to see what they're dreaming about. Like, oh, what is it, you know? Is it their story? Is it other animals' stories? Is it, you know? Yeah. Oh, are they people in it? Do they hunt yeah. slayers? No. Do they dream in black and white or color? Because don't they reckon that dogs see? Uh, they have very limited colors that they see, apparently. But that's apparently, what they right? say. But I, they also used to say that the dogs couldn't see TV. But one of my dogs used to chase the tennis ball when it was like the Australian Open or whatever. <laughs> Could quite clearly see the TV. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not entirely... I think, well, you know what? So many people just make shit up. Yeah. Because that's like the closest assumption that they could yeah. get to. Like yeah. archaeologists and things. They're just throwing it out there and seeing if it fits. And then there's not actually proof either way. I agree. And I, I mean, they're using human, like, so they'll look at, you know, the anatomy of a dog's eye or a horse's mm. eye and they go, well, they have these rods and these cones so they can only see this. Yeah, but they can't yeah. verify that for you. Like, that's, you're using a human translation there to that yeah yeah really know that. but I do love the do you ever see the um, ones of how much bees see because they can see all the different ultraviolet mm. rays and so they have this like oh yeah just beyond the rainbow everything it's, it's <sighs> trippy and beautiful love it I love bees I'm fascinated with bees I think they're incredible I do I'm a bee saver <laughs> yes me too and I found bees in some weird places like and I always find them before I step on them. So we were walking down the beach and I'm like, oh, there's a bee. I'll rescue it. I'm like, how the fuck did you get here? Yes. Not anywhere. So we carried this bee around for a little. <laughs> but yeah, I'm surprised about how often I rescue bees when no, some other people don't rescue or see bees at all. Uh, I'm saying I, I find them like they're on the ground or they're, um, there was one in our house one night. And I'm like, yeah, but you shouldn't be here. It's like, you should be back in your hive somewhere. So I'm like, you know, water and put it outside and, you know, or they're on the grass and they're obviously not doing so well, yeah. but I'll, you know, help them along, pull them out of the horse water and all of that. Yeah. 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 And we put little things around, you know, like if you've got like bird ponds, which they need, you know, put little stones in there and stuff so they don't drown because they need yeah. heaps and heaps of water. Um, to make so dry. active. Mm. Crazy. Amazing lives. Uh, yes, really. I do love the dance of the bumblebee. Yes, that's so fun. Just, like, what is that? They go, they go out, they find a flower, they think that's amazing. They come back to the hive and they do this little quite autistic, really, isn't it? Like, I'm just I think so. with my body, and <laughs> you are going to understand that that means 43 degrees north plus two degrees south, and you'll find this amazing flower. I mean, it's that's it, and it's like innate. Life. Like they, it's not like they go to school and learn the language and then come out and then have to apply the language. It's just an innate. 
Birds with nests. I go, nobody taught you how to do that. I couldn't build a nest with a packet of instructions, a DIY kit, you know, glue and twizzles. No, but they're just like, I have a beak and I'm going to make a And I'm going to weave stuff. Yes. And I'm going to find the colour purple. Yeah, and it's going to survive storms and it's going to survive. (laughs) Nothing. It's nuts. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. And even like stepping out to fly, like, all right, I'm ready. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's right. You only get one chance at that. It's like, man, it's like, there you go, black and white again. It's like, you yeah, fly or die, you know. Yes. <laughs> I'd be in that nest for life. <laughs> Maybe some of them just crawl down the trunk. Yeah, just, just take a little hop over here, have a little go, get back in like, my nest. When you see those like eagle nests that are up, yeah. it feels like three kilometres in the air or something and they just, yeah. just go, oh, man. And there's some that just, take her out of the nest and then don't land for like six months. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah. Ah. I didn't. That's too, I'm too brave. I like the penguins who chuck, like they sacrifice. (laughs) They go and uh, see if there are any sea lions in the water. No, that's awful. Do they sacrifice like they're old and weak and stuff? Or do they just pick no. Well, just I guess the one that's annoying and tells too many jokes and everybody likes them. They just yeah. push them out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they made that decision, but oh, well, even like um, so Gilly, who is um Marama across Golden Retriever, yes. like that movie Oddball. Did you see yes, that? Yes, love Oddball. Love Oddball. So we've. Sorry, I got distracted by a mess on my dress. There's a reference um, to Oddball in Phoenix Rose, or I don't use the name. I saw that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Leave that for other people to find, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> but like that protection of the, the herd is an innate thing. Mm. Um, and it's up to the dog to decide what it's actually going to protect it by, you know, just from that story more than anything definitive and research and whatever. But yeah. It, it really is, it's the dog's choice about what they, yes, little girl, I know, I'm here, um, what they're going to protect. So it's. But you can't tell them what to protect. Oh, no, this, I can't fucking tell this dog to do shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's either going to be you provide the sheep and then they go, okay, yeah, that's, yeah. I'm. I'm on board type of thing, or if they're not on board, then they have to kind of find another job. But yeah, yeah I don't know. They have, I think they have more of a, they've got more than what we're giving them. Does that make sense? They've got more intellectual capacity than what they're. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it always makes me laugh and it has always made me laugh from um, a really little, little age where you'd hear people go, you know, Oh, they've got a small brain, so they've you know got this much, or they're they're as intelligent as a one-year-old child, or oh, yeah. know, this thing's as intelligent as what. And then sometimes, and I'd be just like, you have no idea. And you again, you're using human intelligence, right? They've probably got yeah. all you know, like bonus human hats equivalent capacity, like, yeah, forty-five different hats that they use compared to us. Mm, mm. And um, oh, I totally lost track of what I was saying there because that's what I do. Yes, little girl. This is a conversation with Joe where Joe loses completely. <laughs> You'd be surprised about how often that happened. Actually, the last interview I did, I went, oh crap, 
I've forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or then, you know, suddenly they come out and they go, oh, we actually just discovered that crows are, like, really smart. You're like, oh. <laughs> and we needed some test to prove this, did we? Like, just, oh. So oh, that drives me nuts when mm. they spend research money to prove the obvious. Yes. Like, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. And instead of focusing on something that would actually expand the knowledge base of what we have, yeah, they're just using it to prove exactly what we already know. Yeah. Like, or things like, and they do this, you, you, and I'll try not to go into too dark areas here, but in animal welfare, you'll do, this. oh, we, we did some studies and actually horses do feel pain when you hit them with whips on racetracks. No. Wow. Shocker. Really? Nobody knew that, you know? Like, oh my God. Just yeah. spend some time with a horse and know that they feel pain. Like, uh, I've seen horses run themselves into fence to try and get away from a fly. Like, you know, it's... <laughs> They're very sensitive skin, but you know, yeah, let's spend a heap of money trying to prove it so that we can say, no, we shouldn't hit them with things. Yeah. We need the justification not to be. Yeah. Yeah. I never understood horse racing, to be honest with you. Like, why do we need the jockeys? (laughs) That's a really good point. What are they doing exactly? Like, (laughs) could you not just let the horse run? and be happy because they like running right am i not they well, do like okay running. so well that is interesting i mean they wouldn't run unless you, oh. they, if they're out in the paddock and you know yeah. they're just living their life every now and then sure, yeah they'll just go i'll have a little you know sprint for fun but yeah they wouldn't go up at those speeds around just the track for no reason things. you know yeah because that's not fun that's yeah like work yeah yeah no, I think we should get rid of the jockeys and just let the horses, the ones with maybe ADHD that need to run, yes. <laughs> let them. And, you know, then if they wander off halfway through the race, so be it. <laughs> I'm totally with you. I just, I think that's more entertaining anyway. I think it's hilarious when you see, um, oh, my husband and I were at this, it wasn't really a dog show. It was, I don't know what it was, but anyway, it was, there was like a dog demonstration going on of um, mm. dancing dogs where they oh, right, yeah you know yeah. balls or something and they follow the balls anyway and this golden retriever in the middle of it got distracted by a butterfly and is like doing and it just oh, it just goes off <laughs> follows the butterfly its person was really unhappy we just thought it was hysterical we just thought yeah. it was the best moment of the day it was gorgeous <laughs> retrievers just got oh look at the butterfly and followed it <laughs> that's why i love retrievers they're just so like um <laughs> oh yeah. look look at that over there that's so fun <laughs> uh, yeah the um the marema mixed with the golden retriever there's a there's a, a definite uh attention span difficulty but also <laughs> gilly often just looks at you and says no <laughs> yeah, yeah well see i think tr- retrievers are kind of like that anyway most yeah. of the time I, I honestly i often look we've had a lot of retrievers and one of the reasons i love them is they're so irreverent really they just don't take life very seriously and i often think i don't know why this breed became so popular to be an assistance dog because i uh, you know border collies sure yes super oh, obedient yes yeah. super intelligent all over it retrievers are just kind of actually a bit you know whatever what? yeah <laughs> maybe maybe it's because they don't um they're not going to overreact where a golden uh, sorry a border collie is maybe. definitely going to be are you okay are you okay yes. what about now are you okay are you yes. okay let me just check are you okay yeah. whereas it you know the golden retriever is like you're right mate 
cool awesome yeah i'll go back for snooze yes yeah yeah you're probably right <laughs> let me know when the, you know if there's something up <laughs> yeah if your vibration changes then i might check you out but other than that yeah whereas yeah the the the, the border collie or the kelpie is like come on come on come on <laughs> totally it it's, we love border collie. my husband in particular loves them and i'm like we just there's no way we can have a border collie in our house because there yeah. are so many adhd brains in this house already that we do not need another like super <laughs> alert on task what can i yeah. do what can i do what can i do it's just like we need the fluffers that are just going to lie on the couch and go yeah. Yeah, cool can i have a biscuit awesome yeah <laughs> can i have whatever you're trying to chew at here um my other dog was fred he was a border collie kelpie and he used to make up games with his own saliva so he'd get <laughs> worked up and then go underneath the bird bath and brush out all of the mozzies and stuff and then chase them and then his saliva would get thrown up in the air so then he'd chase his saliva and throw that <laughs> Sorry. Oh gosh that is hilarious <laughs> yeah he had fancy foot wet fred so and then Gilly's going to get a little bit out of yeah. We've got near us um, a camel. It's a camel dairy, actually. It's the only certified organic camel dairy in the world from the Sunshine Coast. And it's like a no-kill dairy. And they like yeah. so they hand-raise all of the camel. Like, so we go there for cuddling. My, my husband's obsessed with camels, so we spend a lot of time chasing camels around the place to cuddle them and <laughs> these camels are like the most cuddly camels you've ever met in your life and they all love Elwyn they're all just like oh you're one of our people and they're just like <laughs> slopping all over him um <laughs> but they have on that it's a lot of lands a couple hundred yeah. acres yeah um, they've got maremmas to guard the babies yeah the, the, from wild dogs so wild dogs won't attack the camels but they will the babies so they have yeah. Marimba's patrolling and they have guard donkeys who oh, are apparently they will extremely, kick. apparently they're extremely fierce and they will kill dogs, like wild dogs. Yeah. And apparently they are like, you are more likely to die hmm. by being killed by a dog. If you're just like walking through the bush and you yeah. have a feral donkey, you're more likely to be killed by a feral donkey than you ever will by like a snake, yeah. a crocodile or anything like it's, like the highest rate of feral animal deaths or something. It comes from donkeys. Who knew that we even had wild donkeys to start with? So many of them, yeah. Who brought them over? They're like, they're like, we're dead serious. If you come across a wild donkey, run, run. in the opposite direction. <laughs> like, do not hang around because people try and pat them and they just get killed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, That's my so goodness fierce. me. Because they're fierce, like, and they yeah. don't care really, do they? Like, they're stubborn. <laughs> See, was, a feral horse would just run away from you. They'd just go, oh, yeah. God, you know, that's really. Whereas a donkey's like, he's got yeah. kind of like little dog syndrome. Like, yes. I'm a horse. <laughs> but horses are often terrified of donkeys too. Oh, because they use them as stable mates a lot of the time as well, yeah, don't they? But loads of horses are terrified. I remember once riding my first horse out and we came across these donkeys hysteria like just mass hysteria from all the horses they i don't know what the problem is whether they're just like i don't understand that thing like, <laughs> it's too small for me to oh, the ears are too big i, I don't know <laughs> hysterical could not get them past the donkeys <laughs> <laughs> the doggy's like told you <laughs> yes. well i guess it's kind of like yeah well it might be a fable where an elephant's scared of a mouse mouse is that true 
I don't know. I was just thinking I've always assumed it'd be true, but I'm, you know, doubting my sources now. <laughs> this is a children's story or something, isn't there? About the mouse it is, that. yeah. It's a fable, but mm. it was probably not true. How often would a mice and an elephant be in the same room? Naturally. I can't imagine very often, no. I wouldn't imagine so. No. Have I finished chewing my hand now? No. Okay. <laughs> How much time do you spend training her a day? Um, so it is officially, you know, formally kind of thing. Formally. Um pro- not a huge amount of time. So probably oh, probably half an hour a day, kind of we're trying to get a little bit of the behavior. Um, because she's still very nippy and still barky. So we're trying to just get that a little bit in control. Um, but she's very good at sit and pour and drop um, and highly motivated by treats, which makes it a very easily trainable puppy. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start formal um, therapy training in probably probably three or four months because she can't work in as a therapy dog officially until she's 12 months old so yeah okay they've got some that want to wait until she's 12 and then train them but then I found a local one that's willing to start well advises to start the training now so that then at 12 months time she's ready to go to work but they've got a pretty good union or whatever they can't work two days in a row they're only a work a set amount of hours um, so, and they need weekends off. <laughs> so who sets those guidelines? Um, I guess if you're registering your dog um, as a therapy dog, then they set the tri- guidelines. So while it's an unregulated industry, just like social work, if you're wanting to have your skills recognised or provide a, an assurance of your skills, then you are a member of the Australian Association of the Social Workers and that they provide regulation. So just like if your dog is a therapy dog, then you register them with Therapy Dog Australia or whatever, and then they provide the the regulations that you um, kind of agree to adhere to. So it just makes me want to, so when we say something's unregulated, does that mean it's unregulated by the government? Is that what that means? Yeah, so yes. So for example, doctors are a regulated industry. Not everybody can call themselves an um, uh, like a medical doctor um, unless they are registered by the uh, um, body and that is regulate like the regulatory body. And then that is regulated generally throughout Australia on the conditions. And then they'll have complaints, procedures and mandates. And if you are no longer able to hold your registration then you can no longer practice as a doctor yeah whereas as a social worker technically anybody could call themselves a social worker yeah because it's an unregulated industry so if you wanted to I guess you could do it can't you get a degree in social work yeah and a master's (laughs) in social work well this is why when you're in an unregulated industry, you should always ask for, do they have a registration with the, with the 
um, association body attached to it kind of thing. So like councillors, anybody can call themselves a councillor, but there is a regulatory body that you can be part of to prove that you are um, following the professional development guidelines and you have done the training and you've got the degrees. This is the proof of that's happening. Yeah, right. So whereas not everybody can call themselves a psychologist or a doctor because they are they are a regulated field, like a regulated industry. Yeah. So there you go. So that's the difference is if it's an unregulated body, then your choice to join the association that regulates that kind of holds a standard, that's your choice. And yeah. also anybody can call themselves something from an unregulated industry, which is why you've got a lot of counsellors yes. in the world. But yes. that also means that um, the follow-up question, if you're hiring any of those people is, are you part of your regulation body? Yeah, right. And then they hold the expectations of what it is to be a social worker or a counsellor. And assumedly they do insurance and stuff like that too. And they do the insurance yeah. and stuff as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> and this would be the same with the equine therapy um i don't think that is a regulated industry but um if you had equine like a, a, a social worker they would use the australian social workers as their proof that they've done the work that's required to provide that yeah yeah. yeah yeah i know there's a lot of different ones out there and doing different things and that's good because it you know offers a lot of different yeah. options like I'm really keen to do stuff with homeschoolers you know yeah. and do actual lessons like we can do maths with horses and we can do English and we can do reading with horses and all sorts of cool stuff like that. Yeah. yeah yeah that would be amazing I hope so oh wow I'm very interested to see what happens next from Josephine Moon <gasps> The next chapter, stay tuned for the next chapter. What will Josephine do? <laughs> uh, cliffhanger. <laughs> Come back next season. Find a cliffhanger. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your generous time. And uh, are you still doing a book tour? Have you finished book tour for... Um, I think my last official event is on this weekend. So, um, yeah, I've got an event to do there and then just do bits and pieces, like yeah. a bit more radio and podcast and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Do you have somebody that organises that for you so you can just turn up where you've been told to turn up and don't have to think about it? Yeah, so I do have a publicist who will set up events through libraries and stuff like that. And then I organise some stuff myself just because I want to do it or yeah. You know, like this, like, oh, cool, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Um, and I don't have to do that, like run that by him or anything. But, yeah, so he came with me for three days in Brisbane because he handed me this itinerary and it had, like, one day and it was, like, I'm on the Sunshine Coast and there was, like, stuff in Brisbane, there was stuff down the Gold Coast and, like, some of it was all in the one day and I was just like, mate, I, uh, you've no idea how many ways I can mess this up. Like, <laughs> literally, I miss the turnoffs to airports. I miss the turnoffs <laughs> off the highways. I get lost. Like I, I can mess this up. And the in the first night there, I nearly had a, a, I nearly set the alarms off in the hotel because I put. Um, I knew I wasn't going to get dinner, and I took this little packet of rice that I could yeah. shove in the microwave. Yeah. And I put it in the microwave, and I didn't add water. <laughs> put it on for eight minutes. <laughs> About three minutes in, I was like, 
smell? Like, what's going on there? And then I'm just like, oh, it was practically on fire. And then I went to open the thing and smoke started building out. And I'm like, oh, God, I got slammed it shut. And, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I just thought this was terrible. And I had to call down to, like, reception. And they sent people up with fans. And I literally stood there for an hour with, like, a towel under the smoke lines. They're like, it's like a, you know, $4,000 fine or something. Like, yeah. this thing fell off. It was a massive deal. And literally my very first event, up it was up here, I missed, um, I thought I was an hour ahead than I was. I was time blind. <laughs> literally driving out the driveway thinking, I've got an hour. I've got an hour. I can sit there. I can do some meditation. I can do some breathing. breathing I can do all this. And then, um, and he called me as a living. He goes, well, I was just wondering where you are. And I'm like, <laughs> the expletives, like, I was just like, I can't believe this. And I was like, well, you know, I've given them a live demonstration of what it's like to have ADHD. So, you know. Thanks for that. But I was like, so Connor, remember how I told you that I could mess this up in like a hundred different ways? Welcome to Here number one. <laughs> living, living examples. Oh. <laughs> I can't tell time. I can't remember to put water in with the rice and I practically evacuated. I was just about evacuating the whole hotel. So um, yeah. So bless him. He came with me for three days and drove me around and did all of that. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think when we're, you know, creative that way, it helps to have somebody go, okay, I'm going to put you here and you talk about this, go. And then I'll pick you up and I'll put you here and you can talk about this, go. There's so much executive function there. It's like, where is it? You've got to find the piece of paper, first of all, with the instructions, where are you going? Look them up, get, actually get there on time, find the right person, find the parking. I can't even find my car when I park in the parking lot. Like I take photos everywhere because I'm like, I can't find my way back to the car. <laughs> Yeah, yeah people go let's see what photos you've got in your photo reel like, why is there so many car parks <laughs> literally it like, son's going through it he's like what's that and i'm like oh, it's the car park <laughs> that's the shop that's next to the where the elevator came out so that i know which one to get back into <laughs> that's, that's, really cool. that's it yeah mm. there you go just save the best for last <laughs> yeah um and we wonder why people doubt our memory of long-term events <laughs> Uh, two different memories people two different memories but anyway (laughs) oh man but thank you very much for that was awesome thank you so great to have a chat